Welcome to Strictly From Nowhere, a podcast experiment brought to you by the fellas at Cause of a Kind. Each episode is by bootstrappers for bootstrappers, featuring stories, mistakes, successes, and even some comedy all around our lifelong friendship and the journey through standing up a software development and digital marketing agency. Hey, everybody, and uh, welcome to another episode of Strictly From Nowhere. I'll be your host today. I'm Justin Abrams, CEO of Cause of a Kind, and I'm joined by uh, my partner in crime, Mike Rispoli, Chief Technology Officer of the organization. And we're also joined today by a special guest and rising star of Cause of a Kind, Anthony Aritano, who is going to join us today and talk a little bit about his early experience as a developer working uh, you know, in this industry. Um, Anthony did not start out this way. This was never really the plan. And funny enough, um, Mike can say the same thing. So gentlemen, I want to go around the horn, introduce yourselves, of course, for the audience, and we'll get right into our program for today. I'll start. I'm Mike. You guys probably know me from previous episodes. I'm the CTO here at Cause of a Kind. And yeah, I'll pass it off to Anthony there. Yeah, um, I'm Anthony. Uh a software engineer here at Cause of a Kind. And... Excellent, man. Well, good to have you both, of course. You know, I think one of our big topics for today is, uh, Anthony, you've been drinking from a fire hose. So take us back, you know, six months or so. Um, I really would love to hear a little bit about your early story. I-, I know this has been an interest for some time. I know you have some deep interests in the technology space, uh, particularly in the gaming atmosphere. And like, how did you end up here, man? You know, what's your early story with this? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, like you said, I've always been interested in technology, um, had a a little bit of, you know, uh, time invested into learning uh, game development, you know, just just for fun, um, just as a hobby. You know, from high school, I took some computer science classes that I really connected with, um, which led, you know, just into playing around with things like Scratch, RPG Maker, and, um, you know, Unity, just, like, focused on game engine stuff. Um, But I, uh, you know, was working for a family company, um, doing masonry. Not something I really ever saw myself getting invested in, but... Yeah, big difference. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, the the money was there, and... um, you know, there was opportunity, but it just wasn't really something I ever saw myself doing long term or had any like serious passion for. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to make a change this year. And we had a lot of extra time at home because of the pandemic and just kind of like look back on what I was passionate about, where my interests were and, you know, realized that uh, coding and development was something that I just enjoyed doing. I didn't feel like work. And uh, just decided to really jump in and start more formally learning yeah. um, from there. What, what do you What do you think were um, some early associations that you made here? Right, like you legitimately to become a developer have to fundamentally understand how the internet works, how technology works, how it solves human problems. Like, what do you think that you tapped into at an early age here to like stay sticky? Because for me, I would have threw my hands up a long time ago, I think. You know, it's just like not my my thing, man. Yeah, I mean, 
I spend a lot more time on the computer than I'd, I'd like to admit. You know, it's a world that I, <laughs> that I, you know, vibe with and understand. And um, it, it was it was really like what once I started getting to the point where like I could actually like create something, like open up the code editor and just like make something, um, bring something to life. You know, that really is where it just started kickstarting me into just running with it yeah man i can like totally imagine right it's like literally just standing up this thing it just started out as like a bunch of a bunch of different words that maybe don't even make sense can't even read it and all of a sudden like this thing lives and breathes and it's like because of your energy and like the research you've done and the time that you spent in the chair that you've created something that solves a problem or brings joy or maybe brings somebody some pain it's pretty pretty cool you know and i think it's Um, you know, Mike, you have a very similar story, man. Like you literally stumbled into this as an opportunity that has now like set the framework for your entire professional history and what will likely be the rest of your professional future. Yeah, I would say so. And it was very much the same thing. Um, I didn't really know what to expect when I got into it. You know, I just really wasn't doing anything. You know, I, I think we can all relate. I was working at a rock climbing gym, setting routes, really not making much money because at that time there was really no money in that it was it was you know really difficult labor um and you know a friend who was formerly a manager at that rock climbing gym had started a web company and asked me to come on board um and i i you know i just didn't know what to expect i really you know the thing that i didn't i didn't come at it as a gamer at all like i i wasn't really that into games um or or pc games or anything like that um i was into photography and like possibly design but wasn't really into like the digital side of things um and and even before that you know i I did gis in college and auto some autocad stuff and i really didn't like the computer side of of that stuff really um so it was it kind of came as a really complete surprise to me that i'd like it i think that for me it was like it was pushing past the point where like i had to you know i always tell people it's like uh you know, where you have to keep looking everything up all the time. Like if you were playing guitar and you, you just had to keep reading the sheet music or something like, you know, like you couldn't remember a whole song. And I, I just, I felt like that stage was very annoying. Um, but because I was sort of like relying on it for my livelihood, it, it forced me to push past the point where I sucked. And then I was like, Oh, this is actually fun. And I think that that's, I was that kind of person. Like, I think some people are a little different. They can stick with something like, even though it's like cumbersome, I don't know. Like I may have done myself a disservice if I didn't have that early job or those early freelance gigs that I like committed to. Um, I, I don't know. And then like once, once I crossed over this chasm and I sort of understood everything it felt really good. Then I just couldn't stop, you know, and that's when it really started to flow. And then I really started getting into it as a profession. I think there was like a little bit of a plateau around like the mid-level developer stage where like going from like mid-level into like senior and lead, there's like a, that was tougher because I didn't have like a computer science background. So I actually had to like take the time to go backwards. So I think that like, especially in front end, you can kind of get through it um, without knowing a lot of those concepts, it's not needed. But then, like when you really want to take it to the next level, it cu- it's easier though because you're actually interested in it. You're not learning it because like a university told you you have to understand, 
you know, hexadecimal or something like that, you know, you're actually like, oh, no, I'm curious now how this works because I need it to complete this task, which is a very different way to approach education than we've been taught. Um, or, or, you know, basically your whole life, you're basically just cram shit down your throat. It's not like, you know, you don't want to like you maybe take one class in high school. That's like an elective that you want to take. Everything else is just crammed down your throat. And then even in college, it's sort of like you're like, oh, I get this major and I get to like want to take it. But it's, it's still like a bunch of shits crammed down your throat still. So I think the way you enter programming this way is kind of cool because you have a thing you want to build. And you have, and it motivates you to seek the information out that you need to build that thing. Yeah, you know, Mike, I, I, I remember us always kind of talking about in several different occasions um, where the difference is between like the master and the apprentice, and at like at what point do you feel like you have mastered a skill set? Oh, and man. like you just made a really another analogy, which like I have to point out because it does make so much sense, right? Like I'm a musician, you're a musician. Anthony, are you a musician? I am not a musician. I don't know That's if okay, I call man. myself a musician. <laughs> <laughs> at heart, at heart, right? But like it's the it's the difference between relying on sheet music to make someone else's music come alive and improvising to make your own and making it actually enjoyable to the point where it is just literally flowing out of you as if it was second nature and attached to your body. And like, you you always talk about like, at what point, and I think it's really cool to kind of see like, how long does it take to sit in this role? And what do you have to do in order to become a master of this craft? You know, I, I think the one answer I have is, I don't know if like, do you ever feel like a master of this craft? It just feels like it keeps maybe growing. Not. Like, does Jimmy Page ever feel like he mastered guitar? Like even still, like maybe his best songs are behind him, but his best riffs may just continue to be ahead of him. You know what I mean? That's sort of like what I think about like, yeah, like, you know, at a certain point, I'm sure I've created, I will have created the most noteworthy things of my career. But in terms of like understanding this machine and everything that goes into everything that we build all the way down to the silicon is there ever an end to the level of mastery you can have? I don't, I don't even think so. Like, so I, I feel like you almost never feel like a master and you just have to be comfortable with that. Um, you can master a niche, maybe like a specific thing. I think there were, there's like a point where I really felt like I had mastered, like, for instance, like CSS on the front end or something like, like that. I really understood it well. And there was almost no problem I could run into that I, that I couldn't solve. But then, like more modern stuff comes out, and like you know, and it, it, so you're you're just forever a student, which is probably the biggest thing um, that motivates me about the profession. I'm just never bored. Well, that's probably the like the wisdom of a of a master, man. Like you don't have to say it, you're humble, but to always continuously be learning, right? Like it's you're compounding on information that you've just acquired, and hopefully, like what you become really talented at becomes second nature. And, um, you know, Anthony, I'm curious from your perspective, like you're exposed to a lot as of right now, maybe more than what you would be exposed if you were to go be an in-house developer, an enterprise organization or work for a personal business. Um, you know, you, you've been on quite a few customer projects, quite a few brand brand side projects. Um, you probably have some of your own side projects. So there's a ton of talent that you are flexing as of right now. In in the short period of time that that you've really been focusing on this as a as a full time career path, do you feel like you're approaching this this mastery level 
of of any small component of this just yet? Um, I wouldn't say mastery level. I mean, there's definitely things that I'm starting to get like really comfortable with, um, like CSS. Um, you know, spending a lot of time doing that, especially working on front end. So that was my start. I I mean, I I remember. Um, not understanding. And I, I remember talking to a really old engineer at the first company I worked at that had, um, he had like sold a company where they programmed on punch cards and like worked in the enterprise and uh, the uh, Empire State Building. Sorry, not the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> they worked on the, uh, you know, like that, you know, yeah, he had like an old school. <laughs> but I, I remember like, you know, talking to him and uh, I didn't understand how the web page got to like i didn't understand like the concept of like how a web page even like got to a person and like what a server was and but i did understand how to do the C- just the html and css part i knew if i just like put this xml in this document and connected the style sheet it would just but i didn't get like how any of it worked and it was like very apparent to him and he's just like i don't understand how you do all this stuff without knowing how this works well now that i do know how it works I know that like starting with how it works is kind of boring. Starting with the thing you make is a valid way to start. You will have to go back and learn fundamentals. Like eventually you'll have to understand the concept of a server and and things like SSL certificates and how version control and pipelines and builds and all that works. And believe it or not, it was not that complicated when I started. So Anthony, you're coming at this from a much more complex place. Like when we work with Next.js and everything that Next.js is doing to get your web page there, in some ways is a little bit of a disservice because there's so much magic, you know, behind like like you're not even like connecting your style sheets anymore to like the main HTML document and and that kind of and like kind of understanding server rendering and client rendering. There was no client rendering when I started. Everything was rendered on the server and and it was all these like PHP templates, right? And I remember when like you could include an HTML snippet into like a PHP template, but I needed somebody to set up an Apache server on my machine because I just couldn't get at the time it was like WAMP or whatever. I couldn't get it working, like you know. And so somebody else came and like got it set up, and I just couldn't touch. I just didn't fuck with it, you know. If I just didn't mess with it, it was fine, and I could just develop happily. But that's how you get your start, right? Like you, you know, that's how I fell in love with it, though, because I was mostly like designing the application for somebody that way, and then gradually you'd read the books and you go back and you fill in the gaps and. Um, but these days, you do come at it from a much more complex place because front-end web dev in itself um, is – it's easier to develop. But I could very easily, Anthony, see you just like working in like Next.js and React components all day, having no idea how all that comes together, right? Like, And you don't need to. The abstraction yeah. is that good. But when you run into an issue where you're like, it won't build, like my component's not imported, like – there will come a point where you hit an issue that that fundamentals would have helped you debug it. And when that day comes, you'll ask somebody and you'll get educated. But I, I definitely think it's a valid way to, to start. Uh, and in some ways, maybe universities are doing kids a disservice because they just start you at such a boring place. You know, it just feels so like, I don't know, it feels so IBM. <laughs> like when you, you know, when you think about it that way versus like starting with the fun part. You know, Mike, um, 
one of the things that you really pride yourself on, from what I can tell, um, you know, for your side of the house, overseeing quite a, quite a large development team at this point with varying skill sets. Um, you know, one of the things that I see most often from you is your desire to build raw material. So, you know, I'm really interested to know, like, what are some of the things that you look for in a developer at a young point in their career that you know with the correct guidance, the correct projects, the correct space to fail, that they will turn into a world-class developer? Hmm. So I think for me, it's, you know, and this is probably like goes against every leadership book that you're going to read. But I really, on some part of it, you're taking a chance on a person. It's a bet. It could go either way. Um, I've definitely had developers that just didn't work out, right? They like, like came in as junior. That's one thing. It's really like there's like a feeling of energy, motivation, and excitement for the technology um, that that I think is good because a lot of people will start with like, let's do like brain teasers and see how good their problem solving is, right? That a lot of people won't do well. I wouldn't have done well with that. I was not a big math fan. I didn't sit around playing Sudoku in my free time. Like I wasn't motivated to solve a Rubik's Cube. I think this is like the stereotypical idea of a developer. Like, oh yeah, let me give them some brain teaser about dropping eggs off a building. And if they, you know, and they can solve it, that means they're going to be a good developer. It's the most ridiculous thing. How many thing. toilet bowls are in New York City? Yeah, it's right. the most ridiculous thing. I, I have, you know, one story from earlier in my career, you know, one person I really fought to get hired at a job who has continued to succeed and been supremely successful in this industry. Um, I didn't, she didn't, there was no brain teasers. She didn't go into the, there was none of that. It was just show me something you built. And it was like dinosaurs made out of CSS. And like, she was just so excited about it and excited about like being at this startup and like being an engineer and just, the things they could make, and it was palpable. And I could tell that they were into it in that way. And that really signaled to me, this person would be great because you can learn better problem solving skills, right? Like if, if math wasn't your thing when you were younger and like that style, like it, or like logic-based problem solving, that's, that's a very learnable skill alongside programming. And some people actually have the skill. They just don't even realize it, right? Like a lot of, you know, you would think like sometimes people kind of group that like English major type, like, oh, they don't have any logic. But some of those people become lawyers, which is all logic, right? That's a, that's a, it's a very similar profession, but those are not mathematicians. So I think that like a lot of people look for like, oh, let me try a math and a science major. Let me give them brain teasers and that'll give me their aptitude for being a developer. You know, I, I think that's and study, there are plenty of studies out there. And I think plenty of companies have found out that you get a million false positives and false negatives in any direction. It it's really doesn't work. So for me, it's all like, let's just talk. Let's, you know, I usually get like a feeling for like your passion for what you're working for, working on. And then I think there's like a coachability aspect too. Um, some people kind of come in, you know, I think Anthony, you do this very well. Like you just don't stop till it's solved. And then you'll also get people that just ask for help too soon. They, they, uh, you know, that type of thing um, is usually a little bit of a red flag. It's not necessarily asking for help is a, a red flag, but some people like just, they really are 
I, you can tell they're not enjoying that part of like, I can't figure this out and I know there's a solution. Like you have to be at home with the frustration of those early days. Um, and that, that I think is another good indicator, but I do it a lot on energy just for that junior, you know, as you get into senior roles, yes. Like, you know, if you're, if you're reading the leadership books, you do want to have a more scientific process, but I think for the junior roles, I think you do kind of just, sometimes it's worth just giving someone a chance. Yeah, I, I, I definitely support all of that, right? Like it's worked out pretty well for us. We, we, we are, there's a certain formula I think that, that we tend to approach and, um, you know, I think what also is a really interesting perspective is, is from you, Anthony, you know, like not for nothing, you could have went and been a developer anywhere, you know, like you, you, you could have went on this journey for any organization and you could have went through the interview process and you could have passed all of these tests that Mike's talking about and aptitude assessments. And like, you could have went all of that route. You're a smart dude, you know? what was the appeal and like, why join a, a, you know, a high stakes agency and like get thrown into super challenging business problems. Like, you know, we're, we're not to hate against them. We do plenty of our, you know, high fidelity brochure style websites, but we're not doing a lot of that. We're solving complex software problems and, you know, creating user interfaces that, you know, solve people's headaches. Why, why it seems torturous. Why go that route? Yeah, um, you know, it's to, to me, it's it's exciting. Um, you know, solving problems is one of the you know main reasons I wanted to get into this. You know, I, I really enjoy that process of getting you know this uh, this difficult task and kind of beating my head at it until uh, you know it's it's solved. Um, and I just you know figured this was going to be a good opportunity just to like you know do something bigger. Mm-hmm. What do you think is like the? What do you think is the future of like your immediate skill set? Is there like something specific that you've got your eye on? Is is there like an interest that you've been funneling your education towards at the moment? Um, yeah. To to be honest, you know, my end goal would be to eventually, um, you know, de- develop a, an indie game. Um, you know, be able to do the entire process. Um, you know, my, myself from design development, you know, the art aspect, um, that would really be, you know, an end goal for me. That's really dope. That's, that's such like a different route, right? Mike, like, like to go back into, like you started at gaming, which is where this early interest has really come into play. You're going a very, maybe a, a difficult route, but to me, it seems quite practical which is to learn about the machine and learn about the experience before you go and gamify on it. And like, interesting to see that, like, it's all going to come back to that primary hobby, which is, you know, creating games, especially like independent ones, like really, really interacting with a community and like potentially dipping into, you know, metaverse technology in the NFT space and like maybe making this indie game for a select group of people that have purchased access to it in an immutable way. Like really a wild, a wild future, man. That's awesome. We'll do everything that we can to keep you on track there. That's for sure. Yeah. Gaming is pretty cool. I think that, um, 
I definitely am interested in it because it, it's like a lot of t- tough problems to solve. Now, the question is, are you thinking like you want to make like, right, so what kind of game are you? Are you like a Bioshock, like story is all about it? Or do you want to make like a little like old school Zelda type game? You know, are we going to have to get Uno over here with Maya and like <laughs> some 3D figures? Because I, I know that that's going to be tough for you to learn at the same time as all the. <laughs> yeah. All so, code. you know, um. 2D development is really where I would be, uh, you know, leaning towards. 3D modeling is a, a you know, a whole nother yeah, skill set yeah. that I would have to learn. I um, like that. I, I think I could get into that myself. I think that that when I think about it, like the old school arcade style games or something like that. Yeah, and also virtual reality development. Um, you know, like you're saying with metaverse. Um, you know, I. VR is going to be a huge aspect of that, um, and you know the it, it's at its early stages right now. Um, Facebook is pushing really hard with you know their their new Oculus Quest headset, and uh, you know they they see some kind of future in VR as not only like a gaming experience but a social media platform. And I'm really interested to see where that's going to go in the future. Have you uh, have you dipped into any of this just yet? Uh, yeah, so I actually, uh, I just got a Quest 2 a couple months ago, um, and I have, you know, been looking into VR development through Unity, um, just kind of like getting a little taste of what's uh, in store for that. Unity is C-sharp, right? Am I correct in that? It's... Uh, so it's it's all uh, like Lua scripting. Oh, very interesting. Very cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know some people who like Lua. That's that's interesting. It's so wild. It's like the it is literally the immediate future. I think like at this point, like investing or spending money in all of this stuff is like yesterday's news. Now it's about like who's going to create the next new thing that people are going to engage with. And it's it's really a wild position to be in. We're like in between two movements, right? Like we grew up. Anthony, you too. Like, we grew up, there was no communication yet. There was no phone yet. There was no, literally no oh, internet This yet. is a fun question. Anthony, how old were you when you got your first cell phone? Oh, uh, probably around like sixth or seventh grade. Oh, damn. See, we're not in the same, same league there. How, when were you born? That's 95. Oh, see that? Yeah, that's <laughs> not. I mean, it's not it's crazy. I was eighty-seven. Seven years old. But wow. but when you think about how we grew up, I got my first cell phone at like I don't know, fifteen. I want to say uh, I was a Nextel. Had the little bleep bleep, you know, like that. Like there was no text. There was no text message too. We just like walked around with that thing like a walkie-talkie all day. Like people listening to our conversations out loud. No earbuds, you know, <laughs> like none of that. Like, and it was like the coolest thing to have to be in the Nextel world. I remember that. That was the first metaverse. I'm gonna go ahead and call it right here on the show. The ne- people with Nextels who had the walkie-talkie direct connect. <laughs> you were in the first metaverse right there because everybody else. Who had like LG just lived outside that world, right? <laughs> and then uh, second, then it was BlackBerry BBM. You know, you remember that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I did not, so I didn't get a smartphone. Now that I took a long time on. You'll be surprised because I look back. But you had a Palm Pilot. Uh, I think my dad had a Palm Pilot. I did not. I I so I didn't get a smartphone until I came back from Colorado after college. So I was maybe 
23, 24 years old, I was very late to the smartphone game. Um, I just resisted it for a long time. I mean, it's also like super expensive, you know, like, so at the time it wasn't like I could afford the damn thing. <laughs> they didn't have all these plans now, you know, where you could finance it for however long. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember that, that being a very long, uh, I was on the long tail of that. Um, now I can't even live without it. Right. But it, it and look at, and look at where it is today. I know. It's unbelievable. And where we are, right? Like we're we're talking about this, which is like your general, like regular dinner time conversation with your family and like your parents or whoever. Like, but we're talking about it because we are legitimately in a position to configure the future, right? Like we are at a point right now where a single customer with a vision to fund something that is net new in the world to be built from scratch that could potentially influence the future. Like that's the organization that we have at the moment. So it's like just interesting to, I'm I'm born into a world, me, Justin, born into a world where this is for Marvel, right? This is for like DC studios. And now all of a sudden, this is my general reality and we operate an organization that's at the bleeding edge of potential there. And the people that we have within this organization, like Anthony, who were also come from a time where this like was not a thing. It was, it, it was for the movies. Like now we are thinking about moving what is possible and creating the future. And, and to me, it's like a, it's a, it's a wild position to be in. Yeah. I think it's pretty awesome. I mean, I would have never pictured, the acceleration and the rate and for technology to be just this, this much a part of my life, you know, um, it, it's just, it's pretty incredible. It's an incredible time to be a developer too, because I think that people don't appreciate how the web has made things so accessible to build programs and to build applications. And, and it wasn't always that way. So I, I think that, right. you know, and, and the languages now are so expressive and you have so many options um and there's like niche communities around them so you can really have a lot of fun with this like dude we started going to like computer class once a day in middle school to like learn how to play frogger which was supposed to teach me how to use a keyboard like where we are today and how kids are starting today right how children in middle school that are like using the computer now for research and all that they their education started at my son's age, at seven months old, you know, like he'll be a master of devices by the time he can walk master. This is, this is actually very interesting to talk about because a lot of people are super anti-technology for kids. And a lot of people are like, look, like Steve Jobs was anti-technology too. I was like, I don't even know about that. I don't know how true that was. First of all, I'm sure. He's also yeah. anti money. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like you know, for me, like yeah, the the kids know. The funny thing is, the kids know how to use the tablet without me ever teaching them. Like that's the thing. Like my daughter, like can just she just gets it, and she she can't remember the passcode, but she knows you have to hit four numbers to try and get in there, and she locks us out of our phones all the time. <laughs> um, but. They get it. They they know how to like flip through YouTube. Like the danger there is they like watch something that's not appropriate for them or, or something of that nature. Like, but you know, I sometimes I wonder like what would it have been like if you had gotten into programming? So using the computer or the tablet not as a pure entertainment device, but like you know these new games now that teach kids how to do logic based programming from a young age. How good would you be? And how good will these kids be? 
like these kids having thought about what we've only gotten such a short period of time. So like not only do we have the the disadvantage of not having that plasticity to our brain anymore, we also just have a shorter period of time. You know, I'm like taking care of kids and trying to learn new programming languages and technologies. Like it's it's like feels like it's a constant uphill battle. But like they don't have that at all. Like they can just kind of get in and there's so many ways for them to get in. You know, my first experience ever programming was on um, like a VTech laptop. My grandma got me and it had like basic on it. And my dad kind of showed it to me and it was like, oh, you can do math. And like, I was like, great. It's like a, it's like a calculator. Like I just like put it down. Didn't even, you know, I, I played the other games on it, you know, learn, you know, I didn't even think about what you could make with it. And then like in middle school, I made websites with GeoCities and got into some HTML. That was, and I, and I like, I have some like old articles I wrote for like school on that, you know, right around the Y2K time. And then I kind of just never touched it again, like all the way up until like my twenties. Like I just kind of left it, let it just didn't never really appeal to me, never came back. But now there's all these tools like, like Code Sandbox and Repolit and all these educational courses that are free online, like Code Academy. Um, and you could just get in and make something cool day one. Um, you can find a language that just like works with your brain too, that just like resonates with you to be able to put something together. You can build something for the browser. That's not going to brick your whole machine. You know, like you're making a website. You're not, you know, you're not going to just like destroy the family computer. Right. I had a family computer. It wasn't even mine. You know, like everybody right. had to like take a turn, you know, you had to plug right. in to the phone was gone you know, while oh, you were yeah. online had to make sure mom wasn't using the phone at the time kick you off right literally. yeah like listen mom i'm gonna download five songs while we're out <laughs> okay and one of them is gonna be good maybe you know i remember uh yeah with like the napster i remember downloading Lime like a taking Wire. back sunday song right and they have like some like radio play in between that one album and I kept thinking it was fucked up, so I had to keep re-downloading it. And they all had like this like little intermission between the song and then like because I just didn't buy the album. I didn't know that was a part of it. And then I like got somebody's like car recording. It's just so funny. Um the problems, past problems, right? Um but there's just never been a better time. So when I look at like what my kids do their relationship with technology i just don't see it as something to be banned i think that they're going to binge out on some stuff that's probably not healthy like some crazy game like flappy bird they'll get sick of it just like we do you know you get but then they'll come back to creating and, and using this as a as a medium you know as an artistic medium and i think that's really the the future of this whole thing yeah that it's really unbelievable that idea of using it as an artistic medium is like really what appealed to me because I've always considered myself an artistic person, but I've never, I never found like the, the medium that worked for me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not great at drawing. I'm not great at painting, but like this was the thing that I really found to express that creativity. <laughs> Fuck. Me too, man. <laughs> I couldn't have said that any better. I definitely know I'm an artist, but like, you can see by the art on my wall that I painted at an art and wine class with my wife. I'm not, I can't, I'm not a painter. Yeah. That's you know, Bob Ross. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I'm not, I'm not Bob Ross. Dude, I, that was really well put. And like, that's a really interesting way to put it is like this, this is something that resonated with your artistic and creative side of your brain. Well, and like that'll fuel you. That's amazing. So I, I kind of come back to this analogy. I may have used this before and you'll hear me use it a lot. I compare like, I think there are people who are drummers and they're guitar players. 
and I tell people like, so guitar is really not fun on day one. It's also really not fun on month one or month two or month three. Guitar gets fun after years of mastery. Reading the guitar tabs is maybe one way to short circuit reading and like learning the finger motions. Drums. It's not that it's easier to play drums. Playing drums well takes just as much time, but it's fun on day one. And I think that programming today for the web has found a way to make computers and programming computers fun on day one. Whereas prior to that, it was guitar. You know, it was like you got to learn this language C and you got to learn this memory management thing and all the the, the, the bits and bytes and, and that kind of stuff after you knew it made the process fun, but it was a much longer process to getting there. But with the web, it's not that it's any less complex. It is arguably one of the most complex platforms ever made in the history of computing. But it, it, there's a way to make it fun on day one. And I think with, with you, Anthony, I think I see that, right? There's things you don't understand, but you're able to have fun and actually provide value to people with a limited understanding, you know, like you, you, you could put the rock beat out, then you could throw in a drum roll and then you can throw in the, you know, then you can do a few different, you know, but, but it's very hard to, um, it's just hard, you know, like we said with guitar, it's just hard to stay motivated when you have to start at a low level. So I, I think that we're, we're in a really cool place and I think that it's only going to get better. It's fascinating. You know, it's like, we're just at such a cool industry and then, from my perspective, right, we also touch so many different, um, I guess, sub-industries here. Like, we get to intersect with every meaningful avenue of a business. It all culminates in the digital ecosystem at the moment. And, and, and for me, it's the most fascinating part that essentially the entire world is run in, on software, right? Not necessarily on the internet, but the entire world is running in every capacity, every single industry, every single culture is running on software. And like that is a that is an unbelievable place to be in human evolution. And again, I bring it back to the fact that like we're in an organization right now where we're propelling that forward. And it's interesting to start thinking about it as a creative medium. I, th I think historically, like in my brain, I've always think of, thought about this as a, a constructive medium, like just a builder, almost like the new, the new laborer, the new, the new type of, you know, backbreaking type of metaphorical labor. It's interesting to also think about it from like the, the super artistic and creative side. And I think that keeps like, when you think about it from artistic and creativity side, it's less fatiguing. Yeah. No, and you're still going to have to do things like, you know, the, the cadas and drills and, and you'll have to look things up all the time. And there is like an aspect of this where you just have to sit down and write code. Um, and sometimes just having kind of boring projects can help, right? Like just like doing things over and over again, um, you gradually grow that mastery. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. Well, fellas, it's a, it's a pleasure to have the conversation with you today. And Anthony, like, we're super proud of you, man. Um, you know, for the audience, we've known Anthony for quite many years and I don't think we ever would have expected or thought that we would all end up on the same ship together, working towards common goals and developing new skill sets. 
And um, Anthony, it's a pleasure to host you, man. We wish you the best of luck and we're here to nurture every minute of it. And uh, Mike, as always, thank you too for joining and leading and for your inspiration and for, um, you know, keeping us on the rails towards wherever glory is going to take us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Peace out, everybody. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Peace.